0: Hi, welcome back to escape leaving hell behind in this podcast we talk with people who have left an overbearing religion or cult behind
1: you we know, are back again today and i'm here with my guest why don't you introduce us to yourself and tell us what high demand religion or cult you left behind
0: yeah so my name is brianna i uh used to be mormon i grew up in the church um, I've lived in Utah pretty much my whole life. So grew up here in the church and, uh, you know, got baptized, um, went on, on mission. I even got married in the temple, uh, like did the whole thing. And, you know, there are always things that I, you know, put on my shelf. I'm sure that your listeners have heard that, you know, put my issues that I had on the church. I just put them on my shelf and didn't really think about them. Uh, but they just kept piling up. And uh, they just kept piling up and piling up. And like I said, I I got married. I'm actually divorced now, but my ex-husband and I, we had a lot of problems and like the pen. So the pandemic came, that was a big part in my deconstruction. Actually, the pandemic came and I stopped going to church because everyone stopped going to church. And I kind of realized that I didn't miss it at all. Like, I missed the community, I guess, but I didn't miss, like, the doctrine or going to church. And then eventually, when the time came around to, like, start going back to church, like, I still realized that I didn't really miss it. And I had all these things that were troubling me, like the role of women in the church, the role of LGBTQ people, everything like that. And then um, I uh, actually, last year sometime... I realized that what I had previously thought was a sexual sin, that was actually that I had been assaulted and that I had been forced to repent for it. And I had all this stuff happen with my mission president and other mission leaders regarding that. And that kind of shattered my perfect little Mormon world. And then I was trying to figure out a way to stay within the church. And so I read a bunch into church history and found out about all these problems that I didn't know about. And uh, eventually it just got to be too much. Like I learned too many things and it was just, I couldn't justify it anymore. And eventually I got to the point where I felt like I couldn't like be a good person and still be a part of the church. Like I couldn't be part of an organization like that. And yeah, that's kind of what led me to leave.
1: So what would you say is your biggest shove (sighs) break?
0: I wouldn't say there was any, one doctrine or one piece of something within the church, I think honestly, it was just finding out about all the things that they don't tell you. Like I often tell people, I feel like the Mormonism that I grew up learning about is not the Mormonism that actually exists. So I feel like I would say that it's all of the church history that they hide, everything that they still do, that they still try to hide, still try to justify. Like I just like all of that was too much for me. I was like, I can't be part of something that isn't even honest, you know?
1: So how I was dealing with purity culture growing up for you?
0: I didn't realize until I left about how toxic it was. Like, I remember in Young Women's, which is the girls' youth organization within the church, that um, like um I remember we had a modest fashion show and... <laughs> that we were really encouraged to be really modest and it was in this very like toxic way like that we shouldn't um that we should help the young men to have pure thoughts and that we don't want to distract them and that we're not respecting ourselves or respecting our bodies if we dress in a certain way and like i remember we having lessons in young women's as well on sunday and just um about how if we had sex before marriage how bad that was and and while if abstinence is your deal, that's fine, like, but it was just taught in a very toxic way. And then when it, then when I got assaulted, it led to me having very, like, toxic thoughts about myself. And because the distinction was never made, whether if you have sex on purpose or involuntarily, uh, like, it just is such such a toxic way of thinking. And uh. Like, how do I even say this? Like, it, like, consent is not taught in purity culture. Like, I was not taught the, like, how to give consent for anything related to that, whether it was getting a hug from someone I didn't like or getting a kiss. Like, I remember we would go to youth dances and we were encouraged to never say no to boys. They're, like, they're, like, they're it's taking a lot of courage to them for ask you to dance and you shouldn't say no to them. And I think that bled over into a lot of other areas of my life. Like, you're not taught enthusiastic consent, informed consent. Like, I learned all about consent from watching uh, SVU, uh, that sexual victims unit show. (laughs) Like, I never learned it from the people that I should have learned it from, which was my parents and church leaders and other adults that I knew.
1: So along those lines, have you ever had bad experiences with bishops? The whole bishop who let weed
0: I've actually never had super terrible bishops like I've heard a lot of horror stories but uh, no like even my bishop that I went to when I was kind of having my faith crisis and having my like doubts or whatever like a very nice man I have had a bad experience with like my mission president as a priesthood leader but never with bishops.
1: That's good I know a lot of people have had bad experiences.
0: Yeah, one thing. Woo!
1: (laughs) What are some things you get to enjoy doing now that you didn't get to do before?
0: Oh, so much stuff. Um, Like I said, I used to be married, and uh, we're now divorced. We've been divorced for... uh, Our divorce was finalized last year. And uh, I feel like I get to be me, not just because I'm divorced, but... Like, I feel like I get to be me. I get to dress the way that I want to dress. And I don't have to worry about, like, hiding my body or covering up my body. Um, I get to drink what I want to drink. Like, if I want to have coffee, I have coffee. If I want to drink something else, I drink something else. Like, I feel like I don't have to restrict myself and live according to a certain set of ideals that I was taught. Like, I get to decide what I get to do now with my body, with my life. Like, my life has changed so much in the last year, and for the better, like, I have learned so much about myself, and, like, I've changed career paths, so, like, I feel like I'm getting to do what I actually love. Like I said, I it's just, it feels so freeing that I get to just choose what I want to do, and if I want to go out and, (laughs) uh, I don't know, drink five cups of coffee, I go out and drink five cups of coffee, which... It's not necessarily healthy, but it's like I get to choose that for myself, you
1: know. So what career path did you have before and what field are you going into next?
0: So I actually was a stay at home mom. I uh, have an almost four year old. she be four next year. And uh, I was just kind of living my life like the way the church teaches you. Like I, I had an associate's degree, but I was staying home with my child. Uh, which was great. And I wouldn't trade that. Like I really enjoyed being able to stay home and be her mom and have that experience with her and bond with her in that way. I just wish that I would have felt like I could have chosen it more for myself and then feeling like that I had to. So I, uh, I was a stay at home mom. And then, uh, last year, uh, cause like it's really hard to stay home and be a stay at home mom only on one income. And so my ex-husband and I were talking about me going back to work and everything. And I always had wanted to go back to school. And um, I ended up meeting with my counselor at the college that I go to. And um, like, I've always loved languages. Like I served my mission in the Dominican Republic. I'm fluent in Spanish. I've studied it for about seven years now. Like I just turned 27. So I, uh, really loved it. And I took this like aptitude test thing. And she was like, maybe you should just major in Spanish. And so I went back to school to major in Spanish. And I randomly took this like intro to interpretation class and discovered I really loved it. And I decided to make that my minor. And uh, I ended up doing an internship for this interpretation company to see how I felt about it. And I liked it even more. And so now I work as a medical interpreter.
1: When you went to the Dominican Republic for your mission, do you regret going or do you still look at it fine?
0: It's complicated. It's something that I'm still trying to deconstruct and like figure out how I feel about it completely. But I don't I don't regret it. And I don't think I'll ever come to regret it completely because like I've been trying to like I'm in therapy and I've like, been talking a lot with my therapist about deconstruction and trying to like have a healthier perspective on it and uh it's hard to say that I should ever regret it because like it helped me learn Spanish which was a very useful skill and I love it and I love languages I discovered how much I love languages like I'm on my way to becoming trilingual like I'm teaching myself Portuguese and like, it's helped me discover something that I really love. And it also has led to me having this career that I really enjoy doing. And it helps me have a way to provide for my daughter. Like, like last year, when I got into this internship, it was perfect timing, because after that, like my ex husband threw us out, which is a very long story. My point is, it's perfect timing. And it's what's helped me to be able to become to do this and have a way to do what I love, but also support my daughter and like, and without it, whether like, yes, our marriage has failed and yes, we're divorced now, but I don't think that if I would have gone on a mission and become part of like that Mormon, Spanish speaking missionary, like subculture group that there is here in Utah, I don't know if I would have met my ex-husband or wanted to date him. Like, cause he's Honduran actually. My ex-husband is Honduran. And so, like, I don't think I can ever say I regret it because it led to me having all these things in my life because, yes, like, my marriage has failed with my ex-husband, but it brought me my daughter. And, like, I love her so much, obviously. But there is a lot of things that I'm still struggling to process, I suppose you could say, because uh, mission culture is so toxic. Um, I had a lot of religious scrupulosity during that time. Like, I was obsessed with keeping the rules and like my mission, uh, motto, I guess you would say, Uh, like the word is Lema in Spanish, but yeah, like the motto, it was, um, obedience brings blessings, but perfect obedience brings miracles. And so it really like instilled in me this like attitude of having to be perfect. And if I broke the rules, whether on purpose or on accident, or wasn't being a perfect missionary, I felt this enormous sense of guilt that I was failing and I was failing the Lord and I was failing the people that I was supposed to find to teach because my thought process was, well, these are the rules. And if I'm not keeping them, that I'm failing. And if I'm failing, that means I'm not being a perfect missionary and I won't have the spirit with me to guide me. And that means I won't find the family who I'm supposed to find to bring them to the gospel. And then they won't be with the family forever. (laughs) It instilled a lot of guilt and shame and just it really affected my mental health and my physical health, Uh, like I had some health problems as well during my mission, Got parasites a few times. So it's hard. It's like a double edged sword. It's like, yes, I don't regret going like the big picture, but it's also hard because it has affected my life in negative ways as well. Like I actually have an autoimmune condition now as a result of having parasites on my mission. And that's something I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life. And sometimes I can't help but think things like, well, if I had never gone, like, who knows? I maybe I would have been able to go even longer without having my autoimmune condition, like, becoming triggered or becoming active in my body.
1: So now is your family still in?
0: Most of them are. A couple of my siblings are out. My parents are still in. They're more nuanced, I suppose you could say they've been fairly accepting since I left. Um, a lot of my extended family are still in, like, I have like 35 cousins and like a lot of aunts and uncles. Like I have a big extended family. So a lot of them are in, but immediate family, it's some in some out.
1: That's nice. You have some family that are out that you can relate to.
0: It is nice. Um, when I left, my aunt had left years and years before I did. And, um, they were really like a source of like support for me when I left because I didn't really feel like I got that support from anybody else, um, especially from my ex-husband. He was not very accepting at all of the fact that I wanted to leave.
1: So I was trying to co-parent with him when he hasn't left and you have.
0: So... When I first left, um, when I first told him that I was having all these doubts and I shared with him about like what made me start having these doubts, which was my assault and how it was handled within the church and then everything else that I discovered after that. Um, We were in marriage counseling at the time. Like I said, our relationship was not already doing well. (laughs) We were already having marital problems. And um, it just made them worse. And um, he really doubled down on his Mormon-like faith and his Mormon standards. And um, wasn't really willing to listen to me at all. Like, he would say things like, I would express, like, I want to try coffee. Or I would like to try this. Or I don't really want to go to church today. And he would say things like, well, I'm not going to have that coffee in my house. It's Satan's drink. Or he would it was just looking back I need, I see how toxic it was and how manipulative he was but um, at the time I was so focused on just I was desperate to make my marriage work because of what you're taught I was like we just need to go to more therapy and I just we just need to make compromises and I thought well if I just compromise enough like it'll be fine and I was and I would tell them all the time, I'd say things like, listen, you, you don't have to listen to the specific problems that I have with the church. I just need to feel supported by you. Like, I want to make this work for us and for our daughter. And in the end, it wasn't enough. Like, a lot of things happened besides that, but uh, we just were never able to get along and co-parent effectively while we were together. And as, like, a personal couple outside of our relationship with our daughter – it just, it wasn't working.
1: Has that gotten any better? Or is that still the same?
0: Uh, it has gotten better in some ways. Like um, getting that distance from each other really helped. I don't know about his part, obviously, but for me at least, as soon as, because the way we split up was very conflict filled. Um, he kicked us out of the house. A couple of things happened that contributed to that. Um, But he ended up kicking us out and so it was very conflict-filled and very, like, I just, I don't know how to say this really, but at least for me, like, even though we were splitting up in such a conflict-filled way, like, him kicking us out and cutting us off and, like, taking the car and taking pretty much everything and I had to go live with some friends in their basement, like, uh, as soon as I left, I felt like I had been suffocating. I felt like I had been suffocating under like what I thought this relationship should be and what I thought I should be doing and just being so hyper-focused on trying to make this work. And as I've gotten some distance, I really realized how toxic our relationship was. And it's really helped me gain clarity and just be able to focus on our daughter, which is what's most important. So I feel like at least for me, it has helped. I've been able to calm down and not feel so upset with him with him on his part. I obviously don't know his motives behind acting this way, but it's often on with him. Like, uh, it's still fairly conflict filled when we try to communicate about things about our daughter, but it has gotten somewhat better at least now that we're not together.
1: How was it for you in the AP News article about the cover-up?
0: That was hard for me to read. I didn't read it for a while because of the sexual abuse and children and everything. It just kind of confirmed, like, because I mentioned how I left the church. Because I believed that they like they're not a good organization and I couldn't be a part of something like that. Like I even removed my name off the records because I didn't want them to be able to count me as a member. I think it's just terrible. Like that there is no accountability in every article that I've read, there is no accountability by any of the officials, the bishops that knew, the members of the ward that knew, the family members that knew. Like there was no accountability, no trying to protect the child that it happened to. And I think it's terrible. And I think it's terrible that, so members of the Mormon church, they often like make it this pride thing almost that they can say, well, like they have this thing, they're like, hashtag, why do I stay? And they'll do things like, I know all about these problems with the church, but I still stay. And then they list off a bunch of reasons why they still stay. And I think it is terrible that members of the church can know about things like the news article or other scandals that have happened in the Mormon church or just knowing or understanding how terrible the doctrine is and that they still choose to say that there are still members of the church that I know some personal members of the church that I've seen. I saw them on my personal Facebook feed and personal Instagram feed defending the church after this article came out. And I think it is terrible and wrong and immoral and that, why do you want to defend an organization that enabled the sexual abuse of uh, that girl and her sister, I think, for years and years and years? Like, it's not a point of pride. It's not a point of your how faithful you are. Like the, like, the church does not deserve to be defended in that way.
1: I totally agree. Now, as we get closer to wrapping up, what are three tips you have for people looking to lead?
0: You know, I would say as hard as it is or as hard as it was to leave, like I said, I grew up in the church. And I left behind, like, my whole community, my way of life, like, my marriage. I left behind all of that. I lost so many friends. I lost my mission community that I was a part of. Like, it's so much. And I still live here in Utah. And so sometimes it's a really big reminder of what I've lost, but also like what I've gained. And so I would say it's really scary to take that step, but you have to do what's right for you. And I know it can be hard to not let like the opinions of others influence your behavior. Like it can be scary to think about what your family is going to think about, what your partner is going to think. Like it can be hard to be in a mixed faith marriage if if that's what's happening to you. Or it can be really hard, but I look at what I've gained and I look at how far I come. like I have a wonderful partner who is so great and like I've s- discovered so much about myself and I, I would just try to keep it in perspective like that what you're going through right now is just temporary and that I promise like it's so much better on the outside. And I know that the church teaches you that you can't find happiness outside of the church and that, that it's just a temporary happiness. And that, as they love to say. That you can never find true joy. But it's not true. Like I've learned who I am. Like I've discovered that. I'm not straight. That I'm into all these things. That you can have a partner who loves you. And appreciates you. And that you don't have to live your life. According to someone's ideals. Like and I never would have been able to do those things. In the room the church. So I would just say to try to keep it in perspective. That. There is so much more on the other side. It's so much better.
1: Anything else you want to add before we go today?
0: The church does not have all the knowledge, no matter what they tell you. And that it's okay to trust in your own feelings and your own thoughts and your own intuition and everything like that. Like, it's perfectly fine. Like, what you think is valid and what you feel is valid and what you want is valid, no matter what they tell you. You don't have to live your life according to their ideals, according to their standards. Especially if it makes you unhappy. Like, they have such a toxic ideal of that you should suffer. That, like, Mormons love to have a good trial. They love to feel like they're suffering for the sake of the gospel or whatever. And they're like, oh, if I'm not going through some trial, something must be going wrong. But it's okay to be happy and it's okay to trust in your own perception, your own ideals, your own thoughts. And what you want, independent of what they want. You don't have to be part of the Mormon church to be happy.
1: Those are great thoughts. Thanks for coming on.
0: Thanks again for joining us today. As always, I want to give special thanks to our sponsor and friend, Corporate Design Solutions, who has generously made it possible for this podcast to be a reality. If anyone is looking for help protecting their digital info, please email Michael at helpdesk at corpdesignsolutions.com.